Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. And uh, let's look at this together. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Let's move to John chapter 8. This is going to be really familiar to you. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This morning I'm going to talk to you about why change is a challenge. We've been uh, focusing a lot of our attention on Sunday mornings on prayer and uh, the power of God's Word in our lives. And this morning I'm going to bring to you why change is a challenge because as you are all well aware, as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time in God's Word, there is always this work that is Uh, being done within us that moves us closer to Jesus, which requires old things to be removed and new things to be given. So when I refer to change, I'm not going to be talking about like how much change is going on in our world today, right? There's all kinds of it. In our society, it just, it's, it, you can't even keep up with it. You know, you, you get the newest thing and it changes the next day. Or you think you know what to do and the, the cultural norm changes. And that's not the kind of change I want to talk about. I want to talk this morning about the kind of change that God wants to do in you. This is personal. It's the work that God is doing in you, in your life, as you discover life in Him. But as we talk about it, I'm doing it with this focus. I want to disarm the enemy. You know, I want to to break down a lie and cast it down. Because there are some of you in the room this morning that believe you cannot change. You spend time in prayer. You spend time in the Word. And then you survey your life. And you feel a certain uh, inkling and drawing into a certain direction. And the journey's been long. It's been hard. It's been up. It's been down. And you have come to the conclusion that change is impossible for you. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna break that lie down today. Because in Christ, all things are possible. You know, God does not give up on us, Right? He's patient, He is loving, as long as we are fixed on Him, clinging to Him, the things that He wants to do in us can be accomplished. And I want to affirm that in you today, I want to call that out in you today, I want you to believe again this morning that the thing that God wants to do in you is possible. But it's... um kind of begs the question, how do we turn things around? I'm going to give you a verse, the words of Jesus again. Matthew 4, 17. The context of this is Christ has just been tempted in the wilderness. He's about to begin His ministry. 
And these are some of the first words of instruction that are recorded. Listen to them. Matthew 4.17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How do we turn things around? We have to admit that we are wrong and we have to humble ourselves, Jesus said. And as we live in that place, the work of Christ advances in us. But change is a challenge. So I want to I quickly just address some reasons why change is a challenge. Change is a challenge because the word offends. The scripture offends. It is foolishness to the natural mind. Jesus was killed because he spoke truth to a society that didn't want to hear him. Let's remember this. That, 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 that the, the reaction of the flesh, the human reaction oftentimes to the truth of God's word is resistance. It's rejection. It's to stand in opposition to. It's very demonstrative when we are outside of Christ, but there are remnants of that that can even linger within us after we know Christ. So one of the reasons why God-ordained change is challenging is because it runs contrary to the natural mind. That was the 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 verse that, that we looked at. You may be a little bit unfamiliar with this concept of the natural mind. It's like, like what is Paul talking about? What is he revealing to me that I need to understand? And and, and I, would, I would draw us to, to, to a place where we're looking at the broader context of that 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 verse, because it is right smack dab in the middle of a conversation about humanity and how humanity responds to the Word of God and how our response is an indication of the condition of our heart. He refers to the natural man in the verse that we read, which, what is that? Well, the, the, the natural man is, is, is a person who is, who is unregenerate. I say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, regeneration is a work that happens within us when we come to faith in Christ, and, and, it, and it is something that, that refers to uh, the, the work of being born again or being given new life when we put our, our faith in Jesus. And this text in Corinthians is telling us that there is a natural man who has not been born again. And when he hears the word of God, he believes it's foolishness. Because he's devoid of the Spirit. The, he's not responded to the Gospel. He hears it, and what he hears makes no sense. But then if we look at verse 15, Paul is talking about what is referred to as the spiritual man. And my prayer and hope is that that is all of us in this room today. This is one who has been born again, one who has received new life. It is, it is a person who is growing spiritually, moving from a place of immaturity to a place of maturity. Because they have responded to the truth. They've not just heard it. It's not just something they comprehend. It's not just something that they can talk about, but rather it is something that they have embraced, 
to the degree that it has changed who they are because the work of truth has been established in a way that it has, it has accomplished transformation. And oftentimes that person is looked upon as someone who is peculiar. <laughs> to the rest of the world around the spiritual man, the, the, the natural world does not understand why you're living the way that you're living and why you're making the choices that you're making and why you would prioritize the things that you prioritize. And now I just want to say, it's okay. It's okay. So those, those moments where there's contrast are moments when we are called to take a stand and to declare what God has done in us. I was kind of reminded of this here recently because every once in a while I get kind of back into this nostalgic place and I, and I don't listen to the music that is, is on the radio now, but I'll bust out like an old tape or an old CD or pull something up on YouTube from the 80s and I'll listen to it. And I was doing some work at the house and I walked in and uh, one of my girls said, what is that? I said, well, that was the music I listened to when I was your age. But what it reminded me of is how the things that I listened to stood in contrast to what all of my classmates were listening to. Because we were in completely different places. You know, when you know Christ and you've been born again, you know, our lives are supposed to provide a contrast in the sense of you're supposed to look peculiar. And don't apologize for it. And then there's the carnal man. And let me just hit this real quick. Carnal man is, is, is born again, has new life, been regenerate, but in some ways it's still, still living like an unregenerate, and it's an immature believer. In fact, Paul says sometimes they respond to truth foolishly or like a child. Obviously the hope is that we don't stay there, but rather we move to that place of maturity. And I want you to know this today. The Word of God offends. It is foolishness to the natural mind. There are going to be times, even as a believer, where you read it and you say, I don't want to do that. And that's because God is always working in us. The Scripture declares this. We are His workmanship. We are created for good works in Christ. Meaning this, you know what? You are kind of still under construction. God is still molding. He's still taking away. He's still putting in. And as He does it, He's forming. He's fashioning. And He's turning you into something that looks like Him. And that process oftentimes has our hearts responding in such a way where we say, I don't know if that's what I want to sign up for, Lord. And when we hear that response, you need to understand what's going on. Change is a challenge because there is always a draw to remain in the old life at the expense of moving more deeply into the new life. So search your heart in those moments. Because when you feel God 
kind of messing with your world. It's because he wants to do something better. Change is a challenge because the Word of God requires us to live by faith and not our feelings. You see, the Scripture does not cater to our feelings, but it works to produce faith. And we as believers are called to live above our feelings. I want to call out one specific feeling here for just a moment that we all deal with. In fact, it might even be at work in a way where it's very very under the radar and not even recognized, but it is something that we will all face. And it's the feeling of fear. See, the Word of God does not cater to our feelings, but rather it calls us to live by faith. But as God is doing that work in us, there are other voices that want to speak within us. And the voice of fear would say this to us. Don't change because it won't work. Don't be loving. Don't be kind. Don't be forgiving. Don't be generous. Don't be a servant. It won't work. It won't end well. The voice of fear wants to plant that within us so that we don't even endeavor to try. And one of the challenges that we, we face in regards to change are the voices that want us to remain the same. I want to expose here for just a second a, a lie that, fears te- that, that fear tells us. The, the, the root of fear. A fear of change is rooted in a fear of failure and judgment. And that is not the voice or the counsel of God. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he fears. But he that fears has not been made perfect in love. 1 John 4.18 Let's let's discern the voices that speak to us. Faith says this, live like you are loved. You have a Father in heaven who loves you and cares for your needs. By faith, forgive because you have been forgiven. By faith, love because you are loved. By faith, serve because Jesus was a servant to all. By faith, be generous because God has withheld nothing but every good and perfect thing comes from above. But fear says, don't change because it won't work. Don't change because you will fail. Don't change because you will get in trouble. There is always a root of torment in fear. Torment over judgment and failure and not succeeding in life or in the life to come. And when we understand that a part of the change that God wants to do within us is going to be confronted by those things that want us to remain the same, namely fear, we have to undo that argument with a higher thought. 
I am not going to be more loving. I'm not going to be more generous. I'm not going to serve more deeply. I am not going to step out in faith because I'm afraid I will fail. You abandon that argument by understanding who God is. He loves you. He cares for you. He has every resource for you. Jesus didn't spill his blood on the cross so that you could live a life rooted in fear, but rather he did so so that you could live a life rooted in freedom. And then might I remind us that Timothy heard from Paul these words, God has not given his children a spirit of fear. So I look at it this way. Wherever the enemy is trying to plant seeds of fear, it's an indication of how grand the work is that God wants to do in me or through me. Because if he's trying to scare me on the front side, he must be scared on the back side of what it's going to do. Change is a challenge because God's word is foolishness to the natural mind. And change is a challenge because the scriptures don't call us to, to live by feelings, but rather by faith. And then finally, change is a challenge because the word of God confronts deeply held convictions that we believe are true. This is an obstacle to change that probably many of us struggle with. Even if you've been following Jesus for a very, very long time, the likelihood of you holding on to something that you believe to be a deeply held conviction is very probable. And those convictions are things that you believe about yourself, things that you believe about others, things that you believe about God that simply are not true. But the beauty of God's Word is that when we receive it, we don't read it, it reads us. It is no respecter of persons. And as God showers His love upon us as we receive His Word. He's calling us to a place of greater strength, greater depth, deeper faith, more wholeness, more freedom. But it is always at the expense of something that we've been holding on to. That is what the process of letting go of lesser things and holding on to greater things looks like. We... Uh, we kind of saw this a little bit in the Pharisees. We, we looked at um, that John chapter 8 passage, and if you look at the whole chapter, there's, there's a lot of red letters that just keep on going. It's, it's this long interaction and conversation that takes place, and um, it's very telling. Because it kind of tells us how, you know, sometimes deeply held convictions are rooted in pride, and we believe they're true, but they're not, and Jesus kind of shines a light on the Pharisees. 
So the Pharisees believed that they were better than everyone else. They thought they were the pinnacle, the apex, superior. They were the top of the mountain, top of the food chain. And, 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 and that pride was rooted in the fact that, you know, to be a Pharisee, you had to have the first five books of the Old Testament memorized, you know, the Pentateuch. And um, listen to what Jesus had to say to them and how he challenged them, how he confronted a deeply held conviction that they had. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And I just got to wonder kind of what the internal conversation sounded like when they heard Jesus saying that to the crowd and to them. I got to believe that there was a response something like this. Did he just say that to us? Does he know who he's talking to? If we abide in the word, buddy, we, we have memorized the word. We we know it. Just, just give us a chapter and verse, Jesus. We'll tell you what it says. This deeply held conviction that they, because of their works, were superior. And in many respects, Jesus is saying to them, yes, I'm talking to you. Have you ever had a conversation with Jesus like that? You read the word and God illuminates it and you're like, who, me? No, Lord, you couldn't possibly be talking to me about that one. But Jesus is the master at drilling right down to the heart of the matter because I, believe, I just... I think he says, yeah, I'm talking to you. Um, you're mean-spirited. You want to kill me. You need more love. If I were Jesus, that's what I would have said. In some ways, the responses there in John chapter 9 are, you know, people, you might know the Bible, but you don't know truth because you don't know about love. And there are always going to be these moments where we, we have these deeply held beliefs. It might be something as simple as saying, I'm okay. I am in a place where I don't have anything to worry about anymore. After all, I've been following Jesus for like five years or ten years or twenty years. The level of my understanding has, ex has expanded significantly, Lord. And I think Jesus likes to have those conversations. Because the word always confronts deeply held beliefs, but it always produces positive change. As it comes to us, it tells us about God, it tells us about others, it tells us about ourselves. And the reason why I'm making this point is this. The number one condition of being set free is a teachable spirit. It's a teachable spirit. 
Pharisees were proud, they were full of knowledge. Jesus says, man, you're, you know, you're bound. And they're like, we've not, we've not been uh, bound by anybody as the Romans are walking around. But to be a disciple literally means this. You are a learner. You are a learner. The teachable spirit says this. I want every thought to conform to the word of God. I want my life to look like his. And however I need to humble up myself, whatever I need to learn to accomplish that goal is the path I want to walk on. And when you walk on that path, there's going to be a light shined on some things you thought were long gone. But when Jesus does that, he's doing it to teach you a greater good so that truth can set you free. But the number one, the number one quality for walking in freedom is to have a teachable spirit. So change is challenging. It offends and sometimes it appears to be foolish. It produces faith and it doesn't cater to our fears. And many times it confronts deeply held convictions that we've either forgotten about or have believed to have been true for a very very long time. But I want you to be confident today. Because of what Christ has done and because of his word, change is possible. Change is possible. So why don't we close with that and why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer. I told you this morning that as we were praying in the gym that I just really felt the Lord say this is kind of a listening day. And a day just to kind of be filled. Filled in those empty places. Filled in those spaces where we just kind of need His work to advance within us. So we're going to just close with another listening moment. And would you just humble yourself before God right now Turn this into a moment of prayer. A moment of seeking Him. Asking Him the question, Lord, what are You saying to me? You know, Lord, what change do You want to produce in my life? And what are some of the challenges that stand in the way of me following You in that? Is it maybe your own perception that it's foolishness? Is it maybe a feeling that has sat in a position of influence and authority for far too long? Or is it a a deeply held conviction? Something you've believed about 
yourself or God or others that just simply is not rooted in His Word, not true. You know, but yet it's, it's been at work in you. And Lord, we just want to say right now, we don't want these things at work in us. We want to know the life that comes from your word. We want to know, Lord God, the change that transforms. Lord, this morning we, we not only humble ourselves, but we, we confess, Lord, that, that, that we want to learn from you. We want your help. And God, I pray that, that your work within us would just advance and increase. Lord, in a way that gives you glory. In a way that reveals your, your handiwork. And Lord, as we leave here today, Lord, I just pray it would be with a sense of of clear vision and assignment as we recognize, Lord, those things that you are wanting to do. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Change and transformation are only possible through Jesus. And if you're here today and you would say, I I need to change and my life needs to be transformed and I'm and I'm needing to take that first step of receiving Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to affirm that decision and walk with you on that journey, but it just believes by praying a prayer of faith that acknowledges Him. And if you're here today and you would say, I need to know Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I want today to be that day where that begins, would you just raise a hand? And we will pray a prayer with you as a congregation to get you started. I'm going to just give a moment. I feel that prick in your heart of the Lord saying, hey, today is a day to come home, to find me, to know me. Lord, thank you for this time that we've shared today. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place and enjoy this beautiful afternoon, Lord. May you watch over us and keep us. Lord, may you you allow your light to shine through us. Lord, I just pray for those who will be over at the food court, Lord God, may the time of fellowship be rich in you. Watch over us and keep us, Lord God, and bring us back again very soon. We thank you, Lord, for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in the grace and peace of God. Encourage one another on the way out. I hope you can join us at the food court. Be just a great time of fellowship. Tracy will be out at the counter in the foyer, so if you'd like to know more about the, the care center, be sure to stop by and see her. God bless you. Thanks again for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life. We would love to have you join us for a service in person. 
Our service times are on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. with discipleship groups meeting before the service at 9 o'clock. God bless you.